1: What's going on, guys? It's tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Fernandez, and this afternoon, I am joined by my guy, Mike Andrews of Nothing But Niners. Mike, how are you doing
2: today? I am great, man. I'm happy to be here, as always. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to react, man. We finally had some action for 49ers football. Hopefully, my phone doesn't ring. I am on call, so I'm going to apologize in advance if you guys hear this loud, obnoxious sound. But knock on wood, so far, so good. Not a single call today.
1: All right, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Guys, before we get started, if you are viewing on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash 49ersHive. Join from there. If you're commenting on Twitter, we're not ignoring you. We just cannot see or interact with those comments. Go to youtube.com slash 49ersHive, and you'll see the stream there. Join from there. While you're there, hit like, hit subscribe. We appreciate all the support. Um, We're going to get right into it. We're not going to waste any time. Mike,
2: how did you feel about the win? All right. Uh, the win, I, it's cool. I didn't care about the win. Um, I expected us to lose going into that game. It was more about evaluating some of the depth, some of the pieces that we were anxious for us to draft and things like that for me. Um, and after watching it a couple of times, uh, I felt I felt pretty good. You see some people who are clearly playing out of position and things like that, and I'm sure we'll get down into a deeper dive of it and all. But uh, I was really excited about what I saw overall. Um, I think the stats can be a little inflated sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, but like I said, we'll get we'll get down to it. But I will say this. The 49ers did a pretty good job with their draft class. They did a pretty good job with their draft class. I think that uh anyone who who watched it and watched individuals as opposed to watching like whether or not a play was successful w- will be hard pressed to disagree. They did a, they did a solid job with their draft class.
1: Well said. I I, I agree with that a lot. Um By the way, I was talking with my guy Steve, and he gave me a great idea. If we reach 100 likes while we're live on air, we're going to do a giveaway of some sort, either a 49ers hat, merch, not quite sure yet, but it has to be live during the show. cannot be done after. So if you're watching live, hit like, copy the link, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, wherever it is you're watching, tell your friend to like it, and you could win something. Um, Yeah, obviously, Trey Lance got two series, and – like you said, the stats could be a little misleading, but for the most part, I thought he looked pretty good. Um, there's one throw in particular I can't share or else the NFL will immediately take the copyrights for the show. But one throw to the sideline to Danny Gray, I think it was a third down that Danny Gray wasn't able to get his feet planted that a lot of people, including the broadcasters, said, oh, it was a late throw. The throw came out as soon as Trey Lance finished his his backdrop, his uh, yeah, steps, and As soon as he's at the top of it, it comes out, ball was perfectly placed. I think that was more so on Danny Gray to get more body
2: control and get his feet in. Do you remember the thrill I'm talking about, Mike? I do. And I have a tweet that you can share and it won't get blocked because all 22 was allowed to be used. So I am going to find that tweet while we're talking because I kind of disagree. And it's funny because the tweet, the tweet is arguing your case right now. The tweet is arguing that. Oh, wait. Was it the Danny Gray play to the right sideline? Yes, sir. Was it Danny Gray? All right. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, it's going to take me a while because this person uh tweets a lot of all 22 stuff.
1: Okay. Well, while you're see- looking for that, um, what do you guys think? You guys that are watching in the Put in the chat, do you think that that was more so on Trey either throwing it late or not putting it in the right spot, or was that on Danny Gray for not getting his feet set? Um, I see I got the tweet here from Mike, so let me pull it up here. But I like this. I think that this was a nice kind of, I don't know if it's a debate, but a conversation going on on Twitter, whether that was on Trey or more so on the receiver. I'm going to pull up the video here. We can watch together, and then we can share our thoughts.
2: One, two, three, four. Uh, mm. And it was considered incomplete. Now, you, can you hear me still? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks like I have like a lot of sunlight coming into the curtains. <laughs> so the argument, again, is what? Let me be very clear of what we're saying here. Are you asking me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The argument is that
1: Trey Lance, both sides, Trey Lance either took too long or threw the ball too far towards the sidelines, didn't allow Danny Gray to make a play on it. I'm saying I think that's more so on Danny Gray because if you see here, as soon as he's done with his 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 drop, the ball's coming out. And I think it's done, placed in a pretty good spot to where only Danny Gray could catch that. The, res- okay. the defender d- cannot make a play on that, cannot even break it up. And I think if he, he's able to establish more body control, he's able to get his feet in, and that's that's a catch.
2: All right. So, well, you you watch the drop back. The timing of the throw wasn't the issue to me, right? And this is, by the way, super super nitpicky, super duper nitpicky. I want to be. We have a very limited here. amount of yeah. plays, so we're gonna go at him. Um, I have no problem with the timing of the route. I think the timing was actually perfect. It was the placement. Danny Gray is already one of the taller receivers on the team, right? Like Kyle Shanahan loves this 5'11 type range, right? And Danny Gray has got some decent height to him. Um, If it was a lower pass, it would have been right in the bread box and Danny Gray would have had plenty. He was stretched out all the way. I mean, he looks like the Michael Jordan logo, you know, like jumping up the catch his ball, arms out, legs spread apart and everything. And he caught the ball. He just caught it out of bounds. So he he ran the right route. It was just the placement of the ball is what the, to me, what the biggest issue was. It wasn't about, um, you know, the timing. So I, I agree that the timing is fine. But again, this is, this is new to these guys, including Trey Lance. I know everyone's looking at him as a second-year guy, but his timing, he has to learn his receivers. The receivers have to learn him. This is a rookie wide receiver who, by the way, is not known as being the best and most efficient route runner. So we have to keep all those things in mind. I have no doubt that a play like this will work later on in the season with Danny Gray being the uh the target there. Um I just think that the placement could have been better to allow Danny Gray the you know, the opportunity to get both feet in. If that ball, if that ball was at the twenty one yard line as opposed to the twenty, he would have he would have caught that in his arms, is what I think. So
1: I'm not going to totally disagree with that because I, I it could be a little closer, but where it was put, is it still not a catchable ball? An NFL receiver should no. be able to make that catch. No, you don't think so?
2: No, he caught it. He well, caught it. With feet inbounds. Right. So then we're asking him to drag his feet as he's reaching to catch the ball. Yep. And that's not, that's not, there's very few. I mean, that's some DeAndre Hopkins type stuff. And so, and DeAndre Hopkins is an elite, not a good, not an all-pro, not a pro. DeAndre Hopkins is an elite wide receiver. He would be able to do something like that. Larry Fitzgerald, sure, but not the average, in my opinion, not the average uh, wide receiver. I don't think so. That's me, though. And that's not me giving Danny Gray any passes or anything like that. I just think that we're looking for this rookie to be some refined and perfect receiver already and it's just not reality right now first preseason game first nfl action on the field like no he's not he's not going to be that he's not going to be that guy right now doesn't mean he can't grow into it but no i don't think so all
1: right um so matt is not able to be here because he's at work but i did get his thoughts and one of his, his his comments on this game included this play so this is per matt Traded a lot right to throw to Gray is obvious, but I love that he was able to climb in the pocket and look to throw again before he took off. That's not a common trait. He missed on some routes, but he missed small. Ayuk and Debo might have pulled in that out route that we just have discussed Danny Gray taking. So maybe a more experienced or I don't want to necessarily say talented did shade Danny Gray at all, but somebody who knows a little bit more about body control and has played in the NFL can make that catch.
2: Yeah, um, I I would question whether or not Debo could do it, but we've seen IU do some phenomenal sideline catches before and things like that. Um, I'm not, and that's not a shot at Debo, guys. I don't hate Debo, so don't you know, don't don't hit me with that yet. But um, I I don't know. Like I said, there, there's a, there's some people in the NFL that would have been able to come down with that. Uh, I just don't think Danny Gray is there yet. That's it.
1: Dare I say George Kittle could make that catch? We've seen Kittle mm-hmm. make some pretty incredible mm-hmm. sideline catches.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, absolutely.
1: All right. So, with that being said, overall, how would you rate Trey Lance's day?
2: It was good. It was good. Not great. Not bad for sure. It was a, it was a good it was a good solid day for him. Um, I was most impressed with his pocket awareness every time I think this kid's going to get hit, he does this thing where he gets his sh- shoulder low. They're reaching from this side and he puts that shoulder down. And they just miss him. And he does it so frequently. Like, okay. Remember how we used to watch Russell Wilson be like, how the hell did he escape that over and over? He's the luckiest person I've ever seen do it. One season. He's doing it. Two seasons. He's doing it. Three seasons. After a while you say, no, he's just good. Right. At a certain point, we can't say it's luck anymore. Trey Lance has done that so frequently in the few times we've seen him on the field that I actually think it's, he's good. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I think that I, this damn line just comes and goes. What is that a reflection off of? Oh, nope, not off of that. I'm going to figure out where that reflection's coming from on my face, but anyhow um, he Trey Lance had a really good day. His pocket awareness was probably the most impressive thing to me. Um, his delivery of the deep ball, obviously, is what everyone's going to want to talk about. That, that big play there. Um, that, was, that was a gimme. Both the receiver and Lance knew it when they saw the coverage. They were going to take that shot. Uh, and I like that he had the poise to throw it up there. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I thought that was I thought that was a very good, um, very good showing from Trey Lance. It was, it was very good. Can't hear you. There you go. Yeah, it was muted. I agree. Totally agree. Um, I was impressed with what we
1: saw, even though it was a limited only two series. I liked what we saw. And and that still trips me out that according to him, that was his first slide. I, I, that still trips me out with how mobile he is, but I'm glad he learned how to slide because we've seen quarterbacks take really brutal hits because they're not able to get down. Um, the sideline throw, we almost never see that from Jimmy. So I was excited to at least see him attempt it. Um, I think it was Josh Dubow, Dubow, I apologize for mispronouncing, of the AP, who tweeted out that there was one throw from Jimmy Garoppolo, if I remember correctly, one throw in the past two years that traveled over 40 yards in the air. And it was the throw to Debo last season at the end of the half at Chicago. Trey Lance did it already. And we saw a similar throw last preseason against the Chiefs to Trent Sherfield, if I remember correctly. So... I think this is going to be something the 49ers will be able to incorporate more now that Trey Lance has the arm. He seems very comfortable passing it deep. Did you get that impression as well? And obviously everything that we've seen from offseason. You're muted.
2: (laughs) All right. Tip for tat there. All right. I like that. We're even now. All right. We won't make that mistake anymore. Um, If that affected my background noise, let me know. That's one thing I forgot to do during sound checks. Um, So I agree with what you're saying. He's definitely more comfortable looking to throw that deep shot. Um, and we saw that from him even in the Houston game, uh, that that second half against Seattle. Uh, he has no problem looking for deep passes before the safer in the check downs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we heard Kyle critique him once saying, yeah, you hit that throw, but this guy was open here. So <clears throat> it's his mindset. And that's something that's going to pay dividends, you know? And Jimmy had the arm to do it. He didn't have the the want to do it, you know? So it, it's not about the arm strength with Jimmy. I don't think that was ever the issue, you know? It was never about he's not, you know, he doesn't have the arm to make the, the throws. He just didn't have the desire to make those throws. I think Jimmy was a, let me take the safe, down and safe, safe play and keep the chains moving, you know? He was that kind of guy, so... You know, I, it's not again. It's not a bad thing. I, I'm not. I'm not upset about it at all. Uh, but Trey is definitely going to bring that dynamic here, and I think Kyle's going to have a lot of fun. And then you you combine that with more guys who can get down down the field faster. That that 76 yard play. I mean, he threw the ball in what two or three seconds. You know what I'm saying? And it was like Gray was that deep already. Think about that. Like we we talk about the 40 time being 4.33 and he threw the ball in 3 seconds and the ball traveled what 35 40 yards in the air something like that it was so it's it's pretty impressive to see that they're working together that that well uh, and Trey is just anxious to do it you know what i'm saying it was nice
1: yeah i agree and i think that Danny Gray is going to bring that element to this offense that the 49ers haven't had since I don't know, Marquise Goodwin maybe, to be able to stretch the field and actually take the top off a defense. He looked good. He looked really good, and he was able to make some catches uh, in the short as well, not just the deep passes. Um, looking at the comments here, Hung Fat, Trey will be an MVP candidate within two to three years. Agree or disagree, Mike?
2: I agree. Uh, and I... Yeah, I'm just, I'll keep my hot take. No, F I I think Trey Lance is going to be and MVP discussions by the end of this year. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I'm not saying he's going to win it. But the only thing preventing Jimmy from – think about this for a second, right? The stats. The only thing preventing Jimmy from doing it was him being gun shy and taking the check downs as often as he did. You just change that dynamic about the quarterback position on a team that wins as much as the 49ers do when their quarterback is healthy – It's easy for those guys to be like, yeah, he's going to be the one like he's an MVP candidate. You know what I'm saying? So um, now if if he's going to get those votes and all, I don't know, but he will be in discussion much like every year. Russell Wilson's in the discussion, but never gets the votes. I hate to keep bringing up Russell Wilson. I got to get over that, I guess. But (laughs) I've mentioned him a lot already and we're not even 20 minutes in, but he's always in the discussion. Right. When people are talking about potential MVP candidates. His name gets brought up. He just doesn't get the votes when the time comes. So uh, I think we'll hear that discussion talk. Candidate getting votes, that's something different. Second and third year for sure. So I really
1: agree with you there. And I think that it's not so much of a hot take anymore. Maybe last year it was. And and hear me out, because it probably should be from how little we've seen from Trey Lance. But I think the amount that we have seen has been extremely promising, and we've seen him progress in the limited limited amount that we've seen this year. Um, I've seen a lot of these bigger accounts either on Twitter, TikTok. They're kind of already throwing Trey Lance in there as their sleeper for MVP. Um, It would be amazing to see, and it would be something like a Josh Allen-esque growth without even having that rookie year from from Trey Lance yet, Um, at
2: least rookie year of experience. And I think that's what Kyle was hoping for, to be honest with you, right? So Josh Allen was kind of just thrown into the fire. And it, his first year wasn't pretty. You saw flashes. I mean, we saw the flashes in college, right? Um, but what you didn't see was a finished product on the field. And that's why it was so important for whatever team Trey Lance went to to give him time to grow comfortable in that system, right? We've seen uber-talented quarterbacks in particular get thrown into the fire too quickly and their their growth was a little stunted you know now some people like that some people say the trial by fire is the best way to go about uh doing things with your quarterback and then there are other people who say the exact opposite let these guys learn and the cool thing about it is there is no right or wrong answer we've seen guys sit for a couple of years aaron Rodgers, and then come out and light the league up as soon as they get in there we've seen guys um even Patrick Mahomes same thing right sat that first year and then boom he comes out and lights the league on fire then you see guys who come in there as rookies and it's like holy crap like what what did the league just run into look at Lamar Jackson right uh first year in there just right out the gate getting going so there is no proven way to do it but Trey Lance coming from where he came from the very limited experience he had He needed to go to a team that was going to be in a position to let him sit for a year. I know fans didn't like that last year, especially when we're sitting at three and five, I'm seeing fire Kyle. He refused to put in trade. It was all over. It was all over. And I'm not saying I agree with the fire Kyle. I thought that was, I thought that was very bad, but we did it. We got the guy with, I think the highest ceiling of all the, all the quarterbacks in that draft class. And we allowed him to sit and learn And I think those dividends are going to pay off sooner rather than later.
1: I agree with you. Um, A lot of people, probably including myself, I'm being honest, were frustrated with Kyle Shanahan last year. And it got to the point where it's like, why are we not playing the kid? Grant Cohn had the whole play the kid, you know, hashtag going on because at three and five, it was almost like, what is there left to lose? This is valuable playing time and experience that Trey Lance could gain And then the 49ers magically pulled the season, turned the season around, and it was like, oh, okay, I guess Kyle Shannon was right after all. Um, Switching off of Trey Lance, is there anything else you wanted to talk about Trey Lance and his performance?
2: The slide. I mean, you mentioned it, right? His first time ever in his career sliding. Admitted by him, not just some random person saying that. uh, It was pretty cool to see that, um, you know, he he made it and he's that's growth that is literally called growth and for a guy getting his first year as a starter doing it again we, we want to see people improve right though so that's a, a minor or major depending on how you look at it improvement just from the two ten quarters we saw him i was gonna say two and a half games, same thing the ten quarters we saw him in i can't tell you how many times i saw this kid lower his shoulder I'm like what the hell are you thinking You know, like, dude, this is the NFL. You can't do that in this league anymore, you know? And then his critique, his criticism on himself was, I wish I did it just another yard sooner. And for him to make that first slide, maybe he wasn't quite aware that it's where you start your slide, not where you finish, you know? But again, it's preseason. You work those kinks out, and it'll pay dividends later on. We're already seeing it. The fact that he did it, you know, I saw it all over Twitter. It was crazy. Like, uh, the word slide in the 49ers community was like trending I have this thing it says uh there's this setting on Twitter I didn't I didn't do it but on the on the nothing of a page it's like a 49ers trending thing and it was Trey Lance when like when I clicked it it was about he slid he's sliding Trey Lance learned to slide like that it was it was so incredible to see how excited the faithful were over something that you would hope a quarterback knows how to do but this is someone who has been more he's he's been the most physically gifted person on the field when he was playing and so it wasn't a part of his repertoire. Now he, he's, he made a, a conscious effort to bring that out and it's, it's going to work out. It's definitely going to work out. And it was a really, really nice slide too. It wasn't one of those awkward slides. Yeah. We've seen guys learn to slide for the first time and it not look good. That was actually a very good looking slide. So that's something that you can tell. Not only did he know I have to start doing this, he went out and worked on that. That's, I I can, I can't guarantee you. I feel strongly about the fact that he actually went out and took sliding practices, whether it was with the Niners, instructed by the Niners, or something that he decided to do himself. I feel very confident in the fact that he went out and and made a concerted effort to learn to do that.
1: And and like Matt said in his thoughts, you know, the thing that he liked the most is that he climbed the pocket, felt the pressure, stepped up and then resets his shoulders, looks to throw again before finally saying, OK, there's absolutely nobody open and then took off and then slid. So it was like a very quick play, but there was a lot to like in that short amount of time. Um, you know, he wasn't just taking off and trying to run. He still resets his shoulders, looks again if there's any open uh, receivers. And then once he finally raised, there weren't. So I like that a lot. Um Moving on from Trey Lance, though, there was one significant injury over the weekend um, that had a lot of people thinking the 49ers might have found a trade partner for Jimmy Garoppolo. And it came out to be not as serious, but I'm going to sh- share the tweets and then I'm going to get your thoughts on it, Mike. Um, this is per Adam Schefter. So obviously, Zach Wilson got hurt. Um A lot of people immediately were like, oh, my God, he tore his ACL. It did look very serious. Um, But turns out he has a bone bruise and a meniscus tear and is expected to miss two to four weeks. I believe this morning he went in to have surgery. And uh, Robert Salah said, we're optimistic, but we're not out of the woods until they get in there and make the decision, they being the surgeon. And um, so it's not quite determined yet what will happen. And as far as how long Zach Wilson will be out, Everybody immediately was saying there's a clear connection. Jimmy Garoppolo will go to the Jets, Robert Sala, uh, Mike LaFleur. Even though this injury is not as serious as an ACL tear, Mike, do you think the Jets should still be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: It it depends on who you ask, and it's going to also depend on the real return timetable, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If it's just going to be you know, they're saying two to four weeks, which would put him back in for week one, then absolutely not, right? You got to show faith in your first round pick. Um, That just reflects poorly on not necessarily Robert Sala, but the GM and the coaching staff, if they were to make this move out of desperation. Now, I tweeted to um, Dr. David Chow, friend of the show. Well, I don't know if you guys have had him on, but friend of ours over at Nothing But Niners. He's been on our show before. I tweeted him and I said, hey, pro football doc, I know all details aren't out yet. Oh, I think I lost my first Sorry. There, I, you go. Right, there we go. There you go. My this, I'm telling you, this new laptop just does funny things with this camera. It just stopped it in the middle of me talking, and I got the notification, so I turned it off. Sorry. So I said, hey, Pro Football Doc, uh, I know all the details aren't out yet, but what do you feel, uh, but what should people expect? Uh, a fast... I'm sorry. I know all the details aren't out yet, but what should people expect a fast returning uh, as far as returning to the field? And he got back to me. He actually uh, let me know. He says, um, thanks for asking. Always check SICscore.com. He plugged his page. All right? And and in this article here, very good. I'm glad glad you got it pulled up. Uh, They say something I think is very interesting with the wording here. So... If you go down a little bit more underneath where it says bone bruise return timeline. All right. Right there in bold, it says reports are, he will be back in two to four weeks, but the pro football docs believe it would be great news to see him return before week four. That's not four weeks. That's week four. And he says it would be great news to see him return before then. So that in their opinion, this is a team of, Pro doctors that they they created this page for. This is a team of pro football doctors that say it will be a great news to see him return before week four, not four weeks. There's a massive difference. We're talking about another month, and that would be a positive sign. So, if that's the case, let's just say he's coming back in in week four. I still don't think you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo because it's just a little too much it
1: is a lot it's a lot lot to ask for a team take on jimmy garoppolo's con or yeah to take on his contract and then still trade picks to get him and a lot of people i think forget that their backup is joe flacco super bowl winning quarterback elite passer joe flacco
2: i'm saying that that. Uh, tongue in cheek i know Yes. (laughs) yes but let me tell you he's a shell of himself so much so that he didn't even play in that game after wilson got hurt they still didn't play flacco why that's my question to you right what would make you not play your backup one in a preseason game two in a game where you're the the guy's reps got cut short now uh, that might have been his last drive anyway i believe that was his second or third drive so it's not like you know all right now we're gonna they probably had a script for the players and maybe that's why but why do you think that um he didn't touch the field at all
1: it is interesting. Um, and, and Sala came out afterwards and saying that he still thinks that Joe Flacco could start in this league, yada yada yada. All the stuff you want to hear for your head coach, save your backup quarterback, right? I don't know. You really think if if Zach Wilson, at best, comes back week four, they're comfortable rolling with Joe Flacco for the first roughly quarter of the year?
2: You would have to be right. I mean, the purpose. Kyle Shanahan said something a couple of years ago where you never want your backup quarterback to play more than three games and you hope that he can win you one or two of those right so here we are we're going to say four you have to hope that a proven guy like joe flacco can win you two of those games you have to hope that you know obviously he's not the starter so he's not better i'm doing air quotes because zach wilson is a questionable commodity all on its own right but you would have to hope that uh the offensive coordinator, who is Lafleur, by the way, would be able to come up with game plans for each of those games, especially because he can start planning now. So let me evaluate my quarterback, who's going to be in there, Joe Flacco, presumably, right? Let me evaluate him, his strengths, his weaknesses. Let me look at the talent on this roster, and then let's see what can happen. You know, so uh, let me put together a game, a, an appropriate game plan based off of that. So let that's. That's where we are with that. All right.
1: right, So moving moving on on. from the Jets, how about the Browns? Because there are now reports coming out. uh, Dov Kleiman Kleiman, says, a source tells PFN that a full-year suspension for Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson is, quote, a slam dunk. We're currently awaiting to hear the decision by former New Jersey Attorney General Peter C. Harvey. Can the Browns survive a year without their starting quarterback while not trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, Mike? Or do you think that their best case scenario is to get Jimmy for this Band-Aid situation and basically tell Jimmy, hey, you want a chance to start for a year and then pick your team? Come over here, start for a year, and then we'll release you. What do you think?
2: It's tough, right? So we, it's, it's clear who their backup is right now, right? Um, how much faith? Do you have in them? You signed them for a reason. You got Jacoby Brissett. You got Josh Rosen. You have Joshua Dobbs as well. They love quarterbacks with the first name starting with a J. Alright, anyhow. Uh maybe Jimmy does fit because it starts with a J also. I I don't know. But uh can they survive? The franchise isn't gonna fold. <laughs> Will they win a lot of games? <sighs> that I don't know, right? The Browns have, I think. one of the better rosters in the nfl right they have a top 12 roster in the nfl i don't remember where i had them on our on our rankings um but they're probably not going to be a playoff team without him they were a fringe playoff team with baker they were looking for the significant upgrade which would immediately make them contenders now that upgrade is gone and for all intents and purposes, all of those quarterbacks left on that roster are worse than Baker Mayfield, right? So they they rolled the dice. They took a major gamble. They landed their guy, but they also moved on from Baker, who they could have afforded to keep on roster, but that, that relationship was so tarnished, Baker was like, absolutely not. I'm not staying here anymore. I'd rather be literally anywhere than here. So they move on from this guy. Can they survive? Sure. Will they win eight games? probably. Will they win 10 games? I doubt it. Um if they get Jimmy, does he make that much of a difference? Jimmy is known to play for teams with good running games and stellar defenses. He would fit that mold over there with the Browns. It's just a matter of if they're willing to make that move. If I'm Jimmy's <clears throat> excuse me. If I'm Jimmy's agent and I'm negotiating a trade for him, that $27 million he's supposed to get this year is the base money I'm looking for my quarterback. But I also know that you might not feel strong enough about giving me $27 million for him in one year. So that means that i will be looking for a multi-year deal for Jimmy, guaranteeing him $27 million. If it's only a one-year ban, you're not going to pay him that other t- half of that $28 million for simplicity purposes, $14 million to be a backup. Or would you? Are you comfortable giving Jimmy Garoppolo 14 million this year, 14 million next year to be Deshaun Watson's backup? And then the other thing that we have to consider: Deshaun Watson's team and the NFLPA has not yet um, appealed a ruling. There's been one ruling cast down. This appeal that we're currently experiencing and going through is brought on by the NFL. His team still has the appeal in their pocket, so. We start with six games. NFL is aiming for 17 games. When it's all said and done, they probably meet somewhere in the middle. It prolongs it all. But while it's tied up in litigation, he's allowed to practice and play. So you got some you got some wiggle room if you're the Browns here. I don't think that Jimmy's going there. I don't. Okay. Um, so this
1: is per... NBC Sports Bay Area uh, Angelina Martin's tweets report, or excuse me, reports that there's a uh, Browns to consider Jimmy Garoppolo trade if Watson ban increases. I believe this was on Thursday um, per Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, the Browns previously were considered out of Jimmy Garoppolo's see stakes, but recent developments appear to have sucked them back in. Cleveland will consider acquiring Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson's six-game suspension quote, significantly increases upon appeal. Cleveland.com's Mary Kay Cabot reported Thursday, citing league sources. Well, Watson is expected to start the Browns preseason opener, which he did Friday. The NFL is awaiting a ruling from Peter Harvey, the league's designee and Watson's suspension case that could come before the game, which did not. So this was per Mary Kay Cabot of cleveland.com. Basically tweeted out at the end of last week that if this six-game suspension does get increased, which by all reports appears that it will be, they will strongly consider trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. But I've also seen reports that the Browns would expect the 49ers to cover some of that cap space. Is that likely in any scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded?
2: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, well, the, all right, let me take that back. Let me let me take that back. Um, first, Mary Kay Cabot is very – in tune with the brand is it cabot i i always say cabot i don't know I, i'm not you know but i feel like i've heard her say no i haven't heard her say her own name i, haven't, I feel like I haven't i've heard, heard i feel like i've heard people on nfl network say mary kay cabot um which by the way why is she going by all three names that's like some serial killer shit i i anyhow mary kay try. mary kay that's what there that's you what go. we'll say from now on and ashley um she <laughs> she um she is basically the Browns Matt Mayoko. Alright, so it's Cabot? Alright, thanks, Callie. Um, she she's the oh yeah, there you go. She's their Matt Mayoko. Right. So she's very in tune with him. She knows, like, but she didn't say they're gonna she said that they, they consider it, right? Like, all right, this is something that we have to put on the table. And any GM worth their weight is gonna also consider all possibilities. Initially, my reaction is absolutely not. The Niners aren't going to take on any salary to do a trade. But I will say this. If the compensation is correct, you will pay for picks. We've seen it happen time and time again. The Browns are a team that did it. I believe it was the Browns. Uh, There was the Houston Texans quarterback, was it Brock Osweiler, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That was a massive trade where they basically took him on just to cut him, but they bought the pick if that makes any sense to to you guys, Um, the compensation was high. So they, they took on the salary. They had the cap space, they dumped them and they obtained, I think it was like a first round pick or something like whatever it was in the trade, but they took on the salary and all that stuff or vice versa. Um, If the compensation is right, the Niners could take on some of it, but it would have to be a lot of compensation for the Niners to consider doing that only because none of Jimmy's salary is guaranteed. So, Why would we pay for anything where we can just cut them and get all of the cap relief? Now, if you tell me, all right, it's 27 million. We'll take on 6 million, but it's going to cost you a first. Then we're talking, right? Then the Niners will say, all right, maybe if you're going to give us a first round pick, especially because we don't have one in the upcoming draft. It's possible then, but we're talking semantics here. And by the way, the 21 million in relief that the Niners would take take on, moving Jimmy, is plenty of money to do the Bosa deal, to do whatever upcoming deal they have because that that is pure cap space. So the cap space money is very different than contract dollars because it's spread out over bonuses and things like that.
1: It's a very interesting situation. I don't think the 49ers would get a, a trade offer enticing enough for them to be like, yeah, sure, we'll cover half of his salary. I can't see that happening, and I think that rolling over that cap space is the most important aspect of this deal. Aside from, obviously, the politics and the personal relationship getting Jim Garoppolo out of this locker room, the money is extremely um, important. Um, Steve says, here, let the $20 roll into next season. It adds to the cap. They have so many young players coming up that they're going to need to get signed long term and you can't tell me that that 20 million wouldn't be extremely
2: helpful um so last thing i want to go ahead go ahead sorry and real quick i i use the first round pick as an example they don't have one unless they have multiples but they traded that away to get watson in the first place that's right So i'm I'm basically saying it's impossible it's what i'm in a roundabout way unless they have multiple first round picks and i don't know their entire stock of of uh draft picks right now but off the top of my head i do know that they traded three first round picks to acquire this guy and a six round pick so it's not it's not there that i know of
1: yeah that's a good point that's a really good point um last topic on all of this is that did you happen to see what the jacksonville fans were chanting at deshaun watson
2: I'm imagining it was like no means no or something like that. I, I I don't know what they were. I know that he got booed when he went out there, but I don't know yeah. what uh, what they were chanting.
1: So I can't play it because the NFL will take the the stream. Um, but they were chanting, "You sick fuck, you sick fuck," and like right.
2: he's like, "Send me the send me the tweet. I'll play the audio over here on my microphone." Okay, uh, it was hilarious. That's funny though. <laughs> Who yeah. organized that? Who started that shit? That's funny as hell. Credit right, to the
1: Jacksonville right. Jaguars fans. They don't have a lot to celebrate. They don't have a lot usually to credit them for, but this was hilarious. So I'm I'm really happy that they did this because we've discussed this in detail. And while we're on this, I should get your thoughts on his, his uh, interview that he did with Didi Kikowala, if I pronounce yeah. that correctly. Yeah. Do you have the audio? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Clay, right, let's hear it.
2: That is incredible. That's absolutely incredible, man. Wow. Uh, Shout out to those guys for standing on your, on your morals, you know, and I like that. I like it, you know, stick, stick, stand by your convictions. However you feel, don't be ashamed of it. You know, I, for one, uh, go ahead. You said you had a question for me, his interview with, um, go ahead. I'm pulling it up. Okay. I was just saying, like, I don't remember exactly what he said. I know he apologized and things like that, but he's been on an apology tour since this all started. You know, it was, you know, we don't feel we did anything wrong or worthy of a a full season suspension. Uh, He's been apologizing for a while. It's just a matter of if people are willing to, one, accept it and what people choose to believe.
1: Yep. And if I can pull up this interview, that's what I think was most, I don't know if I want to say concerning, but it definitely was, like, eye-opening in the sense of, like, why are you so remorseful if you're still saying that you basically didn't do anything wrong I can't find it I'll I'll ask for you it I'll ask your thoughts on it outside of the show and if we get it maybe I'll pull it up um, but I did think it was interesting and I thought it was still pretty crazy that he was able to play in this preseason game I know we got totally sidetracked on this Sean Watson topic but
2: it is what it is I guess I'm not opposed to someone to po- Listen, I've gotten arguments with my wife I've said some things that she didn't like, but I meant every word that I said. So my apology wasn't, I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry about what I said, how it made you feel, right? So I would have to hear the context of what he's apologizing for, if that makes any sense. It's not a cop out at all, but words mean something, you know? And I I pride myself on being one of those guys, even in anger and whatever, I say what I mean. You might not like the message, you might not like what I said, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but what I said stands, what I did stands. And so if his, if his apology is, I'm sorry for anyone I offended, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. All right, here we go.
1: I found the video. So I know this is not 49ers related, but this has kind of been an ongoing discussion between us here on, on the Gold Center podcast. So we're going to play this. It's about a minute and a half. If it gets off topic, we won't play all of it, but I'm going to play it now
2: to get on the bus let's just start with this one it's been 19 months since you played a game of competitive football how are you feeling about that
3: I'm super excited I'm excited to get out there with my new teammates and go out there and compete Um, each and every snap I want to make sure I cherish that because I'm not sure when the next time I'll be able to get out there with those guys so um, I'm, I'm super excited as you say that your
2: eligibility is still in question and although this appeal is ongoing I have to ask you, the initial ruling from Judge Sue Robinson made a very specific point of saying that your lack of remorse played into her decision making. It's been a part of the narrative surrounding you. What is your response to that?
3: Look, I wanna say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, um, you know, I, w- I would definitely like to have back I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and, and show that, you know, I am a, a true person of, of character and I want to keep pushing forward.
2: Grow and learn. We fully expect that there will be some time that you are away from the team. What does your growth on a personal level look like? How are you spending that time?
3: Uh, I know I have a lot of work to put in, uh, especially on the field, to be able to make sure I'm ready to play uh, whenever that time comes, whenever I can step back on the field. But also the biggest thing is I want to continue counseling and I want to make sure that I'm growing as a person, as an individual uh, for my decision-making on and off the field. And I want to make sure that, you know, I'm just evolving in the community as much as possible. And that's for the Cleveland community. That's the NFL community and beyond. Okay.
2: We appreciate the time to
3: Thank you. Hey, I'm, I'm Zach.
2: I'm starting to get pissed off. The comments in the chat are annoying the shit out of me. And this is not my platform, so feel free to mute me whenever you want, right? But that, you know what he's thinking. She's afraid of him. Why is he looking at her like that? He's wondering how much for a massage. That's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. I am not going to let people villainize this black quarterback when Ben Roethlisberger has been interviewed by dozens and dozens of women. He's a fucking rapist. It's bullshit. He didn't rape anybody. Did he make people feel uncomfortable? Sure. Fine. That's possible right and he apologized for that for all the women whose lives i've affected whatever whatever he he's owning up to it right and is it look we talked about on what two shows ago on your channel here with matt we talked about how we pulled up the article for ben roethlisberger it was an eight game suspension but he showed remorse so the nfl lowered it to just fucking four games and all that stuff remember like we talked about that maybe this is what they were looking at his team hey you got to come out and show some remorse she mentioned remorse and immediately he went right into it your lack of remorse throughout the proceedings well the proceedings is i'm innocent i can't say i'm sorry if i'm sitting here telling you i'm innocent then what the fuck am i sorry for right but they're gonna sit here and try to make this guy some fucking pariah he didn't insert penis in anybody as far as i know you know what? yes and it is fucked too. it's been fucked in for me it's been fucked in it's crazy because i'm out here that's the closest to a local team i've ever liked until what happened with ben roethlisberger right people ask me oh do you have an afc team and an nfc team i said i don't really have an afc team but i like the steelers because i was a big Heinz ward guy and i really liked jerome bettis those were two of my favorite players in the nfl at that time right but ben roethlisberger there fuck him i'm not cheering for them i don't give a shit what anybody says i never liked ben roethlisberger so i'm not going to sit here and pretend like this guy is on the same level as him sick fuck, fine you guys can have all that stuff right But she wasn't afraid of him. He's not sitting there looking at her saying, hey, I wonder if she can rub my balls the same way. Like, he's not thinking that stuff. We're not going to sit here and do this to this guy because there are plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL who have done worse. Now, maybe not as many times as he's done it, right? There's plenty of quarterbacks in the NFL who have done worse and were able to continue their careers. We're not going to make this guy some fucking pariah. He's not that. He's not that. Inappropriate? 100 percent 100 percent but nothing in my opinion compared to what ben roethlisberger did sorry not sorry this is a very
1: tough discussion because i will stand with you and say fuck both of them to be honest with you if they both did it the only separation is one was actually found guilty the other one the grand jury didn't decide didn't find enough evidence to pursue it and I agree with you, Mike. It is interesting that Ben was the one that was found guilty, if I remember correctly, right? Yes.
2: He he paid unofficially, he paid off the victims.
3: Okay. And the okay. police okay. department. Settlements. Remember? So
2: yeah, exactly. It was settlements, which is where we are now. So that on that page they're on par with each other's actions there. The settlements both came through. Okay. So it is interesting.
1: Um The only thing I could think of in my mind, aside from race, obviously, is the amount of people. The amount of women, which makes no difference in the sense of how much damage he's caused to individuals. But a post-Me Too era, I don't know, maybe Big Ben would have been treated completely different if his story happened today and vice versa. Deshaun Watson's happened back in 2006, whenever the hell it was. Um, But it is tough for Deshaun Watson to come out here and say on this this interview that he's remorseful, that he's sorry, that he's going to counseling while at the same time maintaining his innocence. If you catch what I'm trying to say, like how can you say you didn't do any of that even though you've admitted to doing some of it, but at the same time, you're sorry for doing it and you're gonna get seek treatment and seek counseling. So we'll leave it at that. Unless And I
2: completely understand what you're saying. And I'm not saying that this young man does not identify the errors in his ways right? I'm not saying that at all. With money comes perks that you and I aren't privy to. And a lot of times that comes with happy endings at massages or assuming people know what they're getting into when you hire them for private sessions for anything, right? I've gone to bachelor parties and and the guys that I'm with, their behavior there is not their behavior outside of a bachelor party setting, right? But there's an exchange of money for certain services that happen and i'm just talking about at a strip club, right? You don't walk down the street if you if you frequent strip clubs and the, by the way, it is a very big business in the country. So, i'm not saying that people who go to strip clubs are sleazeballs. balls. It's a legal it's a it's a legal activity, right? But there's private lap dances and things like that. You don't walk down the street with money in your hand and say, "Hey, how much to put your titties in my face?" You understand what i'm saying? Like so the the money is the money, the opportunity is the opportunity and all that stuff. I'm not saying he's wrong. I mean, I'm not saying he's right. He's wrong for what he did. When you guys tell me the things that he was accused of, all of it, disgusting. I'm not making any excuses about that. And he should seek help for that. If you can't control yourself in those situations, you're a professional football player. A massage is a part of your job. Now you're going to have homeboy Henry doing your massages for the rest of your life because of what you're doing. You get what I'm saying? So, I, you know, I'm. that's all. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. We'll, we'll let it go. Again,
1: the only reason we're even discussing this is because it's been we've been discussing it every step along the story, obviously because it does involve Jimmy Garoppolo. It's yeah, it's a very sensitive topic, and we understand that it's not football-related entirely, not 49ers-related specifically, but we still think it's important enough to discuss. Um, but back on topic, like Steve says, who is backing up Trey Lance? I thought Sudfeld looked pretty good. Brock Purdy came out. Looked Purdy, pun pun aside, what do you think? Who gets quarterback two spot?
2: I liked what I saw from Brock Purdy. It's really hard for me to ignore salary politics and roster politics. That $2 million guarantee for Nate Sudfeld is really, really hard. And I don't think the Niners keep three quarterbacks. Um, Mr. Irrelevant, for all intents and purposes, would have gone undrafted. Can they cut him and stash him? You know what I'm saying? Now, I think that we'll have a better idea following next week's matchup against the Vikings. Trey Lance, Kyle is actually wavering a little bit. First, he came out and said, he's probably not going to play much. But then he said, well, we'll see how the week of practice goes. So I I imagine that if Lance does touch the field, it'll be for just one drive. And that's if he touches the field right? And I'd be intrigued by that. I would like to see Lance practice against the team all week long, let's script some plays and see how we can execute against the team that now knows him, his tendencies, and the tendencies of all the other players. I would be intrigued by seeing one drive. I don't care if it's a three and out. I don't care if it's a touchdown. I don't care if it's a first down or two and then a punt. I just would be intrigued by seeing it. That said, we will see a lot of Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy. Both of those guys did some good things um Brock Purdy I will say in my opinion had the better offensive line uh that fourth quarter offensive line for Brock Purdy Donovan West is center Sutherland is trash I well let me I gotta be careful what I say here I was not happy with what I saw from Sutherland in there okay uh he should have called Kiefer for some tips that's a actor Kiefer so, all right never mind but he should have figured out how to play his role better uh, I the, There was a, a snap. It was a, in shotgun. He snapped it off of his left thigh, and the ball ricocheted, causing Nate Sudfeld to have to run and like jump on it and try to make some. It was a very, very bad stretch. And then the following play was another sack because he folded. He got the snap right that time, but then he folded and let the pressure come right up the middle at Nate Sudfeld again. Um, Donovan West, in my opinion, is head and shoulders above Sutherland. So you're going to get a chance to see those guys both uh, behind comparable, more suitable offensive lines. Sutherland, who's naturally a guard trying to play center versus Donovan West, who's been a center his whole career. If it favors guys like Purdy, Uh, you know what I'm saying? I want to see those guys move around a little bit and see what we see from there. You know, there's a lot of offensive linemen that I just did not like. Yeah, dad, I, I am. That's me. Right. (laughs) I should like wear that on my band. Hashtag dad joke. Right. Um, There's a lot of guys I would, I would want to be able to see. um, And I was not happy with what I saw from Sutherland. I I imagine, well, there's some other players, but he's probably going to be one of the first guys cut, Uh, cut downs are on Tuesday. Him, the wide receiver Mac. Got to go. Sorry. Like I, I just don't, don't see it at all. But back on topic here, who's going to be the backup as of right now, I'm still going to give the edge to Sudfeld because of the money and because of who he was playing behind right now, we'll see better. And I will have a better answer for you guys coming up uh, in just about 10 days. Not even because yeah. it's not even that far away.
1: I agree with you. Um, although I really liked what I saw from Brock Purdy. I don't think Sudfeld gets passed up as far as backing up Trey Lance. I was Equally as impressed with Nate Sudfeld, in my opinion, with even though he didn't play as much, if I remember correctly, as Brock Purdy. Um, I don't know what the total snap count was. Did he play more? He or did he play less? He
2: played from the time Lance was done until the fourth quarter. So, so he, he did play he, more. He played a lot. I don't know the exact snap counts, so I don't. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but it was a shift in first quarter, second quarter. We didn't have the ball much. Um, In the second quarter, we kind of did the three-and-out thing, the bad snaps and all that, and that's when the Packers had more long-sustaining drives. So I don't know the snap count, but I know as far as quarter-wise, we didn't see Purdy until either the very, very end of the third or the beginning of the fourth. So I I understand the confusion between the two of us there.
1: Okay, I hear you. Um, I thought Sudfold came in and looked pretty good. He made some pretty good throws to start from what I remember. I missed basically – the middle of the second quarter through the end of the game because I had to go to like a family event and I was watching what I could on my phone and I was listening to what I could on the drive over there on the radio. Um, I need to re- I watched. I rewatched a little bit, but I couldn't rewatch all of it before we were able to go on here. Um, I want to share Matt's other thoughts before we wrap up here, because I, I didn't realize the time. Um, we haven't even talked about the secondary, the We defense. can keep going, bro.
2: I, just so you know, I am not okay. in a rush. I have an hour and a half before my appointment, and she's only 10 minutes away, so I am
1: good to go. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, Matt wanted to say, Sam Womack looks like a good bet to start in the slot. Not perfect, but two picks in your first preseason game screams ball hawk to me. Conversely, Tarverius Moore looks like he needs to get up to speed. He absolutely got torched on that touchdown. How impressed were you by Sam Womack?
2: Yeah, I I like what I saw from the young man. Uh, Again, this goes back to, you know, some things we were saying about guys like Danny Gray, their first pro action, you know, in front of people. Um, Very, very impressive in my opinion. Um, Like Matt said, not perfect, but you saw some signs. And you got to remember, man, this is, I cannot say this enough, development. These guys are far from finished products. And if that's the worst he's going to be, we can benefit from somebody like that on the 49ers roster. You know, um, he's got the speed to keep up. You know, one of the things k1 Williams lacked at was the speed towards the end of his career, right? Getting burned on those on those routes, the, the downfield routes and things like that. He didn't have the recovery speed and things like that. Womack has plenty of it. Um, I will say that the run support was where Williams shined. You know, the short and intermediate game, k1 was one of the best, if not the best nickel corner in the NFL, just never got his due because of where he was drafted or lack thereof. Um, I would like to see more from Womack in those scenarios. Uh, Tighter coverage, you know, kind of get, as Eric Crocker says, dick the hit" more often with these guys. Uh, There were some things that he did leave out there to be desired, but it was a hell of a uh, first outing, hell of a way to make your name known for the faithful who were not able to attend. Uh, practices. And I will I will say this, the practice reports on Womack were very, very good. And it was a it was a must-see for people like myself who weren't able to see it. You know, writers often can write with a bias if they like a guy. If they hear one person say that this guy's probably going to be good, then they'll look for that guy to be good and they'll point out his shining moments in practice. Uh, one thing I will say about all of the 49ers, including myself, content creators, were easily woed by people who we respect. So to, let's use Eric Crocker again, since I mentioned his name earlier. If Crocker comes out and says, this corner has something, right? I'm inclined to look for it now. And then if I see a flash, he might have two or three bad plays, but if he has one really, really good play, I said, oh, I see what Croc was talking about. We should probably try to hold on to this guy, right? And that's that's natural. If you hear something from someone you trust, it's natural for you to say, all right, I'm going to take that opinion is my own i'm going to look for supporting reasons why they feel that way and then i'm going to run with it it's not a knock to anybody i wasn't trying to insult anybody by saying that we're influenced by other people but when you know someone when you trust their opinion you take that somewhere i've tried to be that person right i've tried to get people to see the value in the keller witherspoon people don't trust me enough they think he sucks right i'm not on eric crocker's level and i have no shame in that right no shame in, about that at all um but what i will say is this womack did look good. And to his second point, to various more needs the, I don't know if it's the recovery speed or what. I don't know if he thought he had some other help somewhere. Uh, I do need to see more from him because he is someone that I was really, really high on, thought the potential was there. Uh, but we, he is coming back from a, a nasty little injury, uh, but I want to see what he can do. And again, it was just one game. It was just one game. We'll see what happens. But Womack, for sure, he's looking like he might be penciled in as a starter. And I would love to see that. 49ers finding another late gym in the draft. It looks good so far.
1: I agree. Um, I was really, and yeah, Hung Fat said four ers desperately need playmakers in the secondary. They couldn't buy interceptions for the longest period coming from their corners or safeties. So yes, if this is somebody who can come in and make plays in the secondary, definitely want to get him out there um, as much as possible. Um, I'm going to share Matt's last point, which has to do with the offensive line. Both lines, I should say. He said offensive line was okay. Defensive line was okay, too. Uh, Wish is not great. Running backs need work. Overall, a lot to be happy with. Danny Gray looked nice overall, but he needs better body control, which we talked about earlier. Spencer Burford. I still – I'm not sure if it's Buford, Burford. I'm going to go with Burford. Burford, yes. I thought was extremely impressive. What did you think of Spencer?
2: I'm not going to lie to you. I love the guards. I love the guard. Aaron Banks is someone that 49er fans could not wait to fail. He was already written off as a bust. There were, there were tweets and stats coming out, not just from 49ers fan base and, and, and uh, content creators, right? But nationally, right? No second round pick saw less playing time than this guy here. Something must be wrong. The 49ers really whiffed on this one, da-da-da-da-da. But Burford is a very, very pleasant surprise. From the time he was drafted, I was like, who? I'm searching through papers. We Tony and I have, we, we buy these guides, we print these things out, and we, we're trying to find, like, who the hell is this guy? Tony, of course, he's got a, he follows college football way more than I do. He's he's There's a reason he's the nothing but Niners resident GM, right? He had more knowledge on this kid than I did. I had never heard his name, and not for nothing, a guy with the name Spencer Burford sounds like he should be like moving barrels of hay or something like that. That, that. that That's what I was thinking. However, I was happy not to be wrong. I just didn't know. Right. It's not, it, there's a difference. I didn't come up with some conclusion. Oh, we wasted a draft. I'm not that guy. I want to see it. And from what I saw, he looks like the real deal. Uh, he's being endorsed by the best left tackle in the NFL. Now I expect that also because they're on the same team, right? You, you don't expect him to come out and say, Hey, this guy's trash. But, he's being heavily endorsed by him um and what i saw from the two guards a plus probably some of the best linemen that played all of that game i i can't find a reason to complain no one's perfect but for that to be your first showing and, and Aaron Banks coming in there knowing all the noise and hearing it all this 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 49ers team those players they have made it very aware they are they they've made it very known they are aware Of what's being said about them on social media these are things that can affect people we've seen 49ers players shut down social medias go completely black we've seen them delete social medias not just ignore it delete them right and so for a guy like aaron banks to come out there and, and have that performance that he did if i'm not mistaken he he was one of the highest rated players not just guards players for pff now you guys know how i feel about pff but that's still saying something Right. I'm not going to just use him when I I like him. Right. But that's saying that he performed that well. Right. No pressures allowed and things like that. Uh, His recovery. There was one play where I thought, oh, my God, like he got stood straight up. But he was able to disengage and re re anchor. And that was the one knock that I heard about him all practice. I'm talking about banks. He can't anchor. Well, his recovery to get back in there and set his feet and get back into it. This man was on fire. Spencer Burford, everything that I'm saying about Banks applies to him as well. And then watching Burford pull, watching him move, looking at the speed, his footwork, phenomenal play. Absolutely phenomenal. I like what I see from this kid. Again, like I said about Womack, the 49ers found another gym late in the draft, man. And I applaud them for that. These scouts are incredible. I don't know who's the credit for it. I know we like to say anytime there's a late guy, oh, Adam Peters must have found this guy. I know we like to try to credit these guys for who who picked who. I have no idea. I won't be that guy. All I do know is the 49ers uh, scouting team did a phenomenal job with guys like Womack and Burford.
1: I agree. Um, I'm going to play this clip from Brad at the SF Niners, and I don't think this will trigger the NFL system if it does. Oh, well. It's just extremely impressive and, and beastly of Burford And I was really excited to see it, so I'm going to show you guys. Brad got a really good clip of it, so let me pull it up here. Just a few seconds.
2: Look at that That forearm! That forearm to the back. Just put him down. Like I love it. Like you got past me, but no. You're not going to make yep. this play, right? Yep. Did you see? Like, can, can you play it one more time? I want you guys to watch his recovery. The guy gets around him, but how quickly he was able to turn and then throw. I know you just played it for that reason, but I want to tell people what to look at. boom. Boom. <laughs> He, it, it looked to me like he expected 54 to be depleted, like come off the ground when he made his initial contact. But he didn't. It's like, oh shit! All right, well let me put my weight on his back. Now, is that illegal? Right. That's what no, I was going to ask. Oh shit! Okay, go ahead. I'm
1: sorry. I no, know. no, no, no. You're fine. It reminds me, yeah. Again, Orlando Pace, like something that Trent Williams would do. I don't know if it's illegal, but it very well could be. I mean, would the, I don't think that would be considered like a block in the back or something like that. So, I don't know. It's not illegal using hands to the face. I don't think it would be holding. So,
2: just mauling a guy. Yeah. And, guys, get those likes up. Don't forget, Zach said if we can get 100 likes in here, he's doing some kind of giveaway. I don't know what it is, but am 100 I likes in while we're live? Oh, while we're live. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But still, no, let me go. Yep. Let me go like. I won't, can I win if I like? Let you me can, see. Hold yeah. on. No, I, I won't win. I, I will take myself out of the competition, guys. I, I, I wouldn't do that. But yeah. let me mute my. So
1: I think that's all of our thoughts on the offensive line, but defensive line, like Matt said, and yeah, I agree. 49er back, Jason Pope played well as well. Um, Drake Jackson,
2: go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Last thing, Jason Pope did play well, very well for who he is and where he's from, right? But Donovan West, I watched Donovan West in that fourth quarter with Brock Purdy. And other than I feel like he plays a little high, like when you're watching centers, Usually they get their butts really low so they can look up. It's like a a visual thing. I don't know if it's, if it's his height, I don't know if it's how tall he is or what, like, but he plays with his back very parallel to the ground, like including the end of his butt, like the bend is like this. It's, it's awkward. Right. And I was like, man, he's going to get like blown up. His feet are right next to each other. His feet are, are like side by side. His, his butt is bent like this and you just expect like when he snaps, He's just gonna get blown over. Yeah, it never happened. It never. I was so impressed with the snap to lowering his ass transition. I have no idea what it's called. I'm not the technical guy. You guys can laugh at my verbiage. I don't care. But that dude looked really, really good for an undrafted center. He looked damn good. I just so that's my last take on the offensive line. I'm done. We can move on. Uh, oh, we got a super chat fine. Let's go. Let's get these super chats going, man. That's what I'm yes, talking sir. about. Cali boy in the building. My guy, Cali
1: boy 58. Thank you for your support said that looks like a Trent Williams wax on wax off special. I agree. When I saw that play for Spencer Burford, I was like, wow. All right. This guy has the dog in him. I don't know if you've seen that meme going around of that, like X-ray and it's got a little pit bull in the chest. This is exactly what Spencer Burford is like, because he's got it. He's got the dog. He's got that feisty offensive lineman mentality that you really do need to, to succeed in this league. Um, I'm excited, man. All right, moving on. My guy from the preview show was Drake Jackson. And I, I, I hate to be the guy to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself on the back because I'm fucking rarely right. So I'm going to say this now. Drake Jackson did look extremely impressive. Unfortunately, he left with that shoulder injury. Luckily, it was just a shoulder stinger. wasn't too serious. What were your thoughts on Drake Jackson?
2: Very good. You know, I think that I have watching him i learned a new definition of bend right so this whole time i I've, I've been i've been doing this for like a show for like 7 years right um and when i hear people talk about the bend of an edge player what i envision in my head is the tennis ball drill around the big hoop right how quickly can you turn those corners and how small can you make the angle between you and the ground? That's what I thought people meant by bend. And so Baldy comes out and he does this breakdown. I think it was Baldy that did a breakdown of Drake Jackson and look at the bend, look at the bend. And I'm like, the angles like this, like, that's not much, that's not much bend. I don't understand what you talking about. I think it changed the way I look at bend. It's not so much how it's not so much about the angle. It's the bend to remove the defenders well he's the defender i don't i don't know how you want it's it's the bend to remove the offensive line's arm against you if you can get that shoulder low much like what i talked about trey lance but contact shoulder like if you can get that down so that they can't affect you with that inside arm that's the bend that they're talking about and it looked phenomenal quick feet excellent bend my new definition of bend it was it was all there I don't know what more you want to see from a guy other than being able to finish. You know what I'm saying? This defensive line impressed in multiple ways. Drake Jackson's, who we're talking about right now. I'm going to stay on him. I really, really liked what I saw from this kid. Uh, and again, if this is just the floor, if this is just where he's getting started, holy smokes, NFL, look out. Y'all messed up letting the Niners get this guy and put him opposite of Nick Bosa. I'm just going to say it now. I agree. I 100%
1: agree. Um, and I just I'm seeing tweets now from Mayoko, Tracy Sandler, Jennifer Lee Chan that he is practicing today. So that's extremely encouraging because he had that shoulder stinger. So in the stinger, what what exactly is the definition? It's like, I got hit hard and it hurt. I guess is so. That what the stinger is it's like Matt always says. There's no such thing as a st- as a stinger, but I I think that's what it is. You just took a really big hit and you need some time
2: to recover. When, when the when the hit first happened, I saw him do like this, and I thought maybe it was a collarbone thing. Then they showed a picture of him going to the locker room out of the blue tent, and that arm was just, like, looking dead. And I was like, holy shit, it's a collarbone. Like, I was fearful. I was like, oh, my God. Like, not, that did not look good at all. And then to hear the word stinger, I was like, oh, shit, he just got hit hard. Like, I don't know what it means when people use that phrase. I ha- I'm not going to pretend to know what it means. And actually, Matt being in the medical field, much more than I am. Him saying there's no such thing as a stinger, bravo, I feel great now. Give me stingers all day, well, not all day, time out. I don't wanna hurt, I don't want any of my players hurt, but part goes numb. Okay, so if that's what it means, then fine. I've been hit, I've, you know, I've, I've sat on a chair with my elbows and rolled onto the funny bone and the tingling thing. Is that an elbow stinger? Is that <laughs> what that is? Cause my pinky goes numb when that happens. And like hit like a nerve or something and then it's like, oh shit, it's dead. Ow, it's not funny why they call it the funny bone. He got a shoulder funny bone hurt. That's that's what that was. So I like it. I like it. If that's the worst that he got in that exchange, by all means, let's go. Like Sleepy Bear 408 just said, give me stingers all day, baby. Let's go. Yeah. So Drake Jackson, though,
1: I, Matt said he thought it was a dislocated shoulder when he was kind of walking off holding it like that because that's very similar to how people with dislocated shoulders act. Luckily, it wasn't anything that serious. Um, but there was one play in particular, if I remember correctly, where Jordan Love kind of rolled out to the right and Drake Jackson was just immediately in pursuit. And he stops on a dime and just changes his entire position within a second. And he was able to actually, if I remember correctly, get his arm up and and somewhat tip the pass or at least hit Jordan Love's throwing arm as he's throwing the ball. And I don't remember if it was complete or not, um, but that – Right there just showed me why we should all be so excited about Drake Jackson because that ability to just stop on a dime from somebody his size, it's so rare and it's so impressive.
2: Here's what's more impressive about the same play you're talking about. Not only that change of direction to recover and pursue the quarterback, he had to change direction like that twice on the same play in opposite directions. It was super duper impressive. And I was watching and I'm like, oh my God. Did you guys see the change? Uh, Mariah Mariah's in here. She was on the the Nothing But Niners Patreon when that happened. And I was like, did you guys see his change in direction on that play? Holy shit. And I couldn't even formulate the words to like bring it up that he did it twice on that same play, you know? And then when I went back and did the rewatch, it just confirmed it for me. Like I wasn't, you know, I was nice. I was outside. I'm setting off fireworks and shit like that. Like I was, I was nice, but like watching it again. And I've rewatched this game twice already, watching it again, I was, I was more impressed with it on the rewatch than I was initially. And I was already initially impressed with it. Like to, to, I've seen big guys try to change direction. They look clumsy and shit like that. And his body does this like flailing thing, but he's in complete control all at the same time. His footwork, his ankle bend to do that. It was very, very impressive, man. It was Not, It's getting windy out here. So I don't, can you guys hear that? Are you guys a little, bit. a little bit. I'm sorry. All right. But yeah, no, Drake Jackson, A plus. A guy that can get knocked off course and reroute and still continue to pursue, not losing the pursuit angle in the redirect, is a is a very uncanny ability by edge rushers. That's what separates guys from good to great. He's got it in him. It's about honing those skills. It's really, really good.
1: Yeah, I agree. And like you said, the league messed up by letting the 49ers get him and pair him with. Nick Bosa, I've heard a ton of reports that basically if he wouldn't have been asked to change positions, if they wouldn't have had new regimes at USC, that he probably would have stayed where he was and been a first-round pick. But since there was a lot of change going on, he had to put on weight, lose weight, whatever it was, his kind of status fell a little bit, but that works in the 49ers' favor. This guy is extremely athletic. I've seen him do backflips. I think he was asked today if he would do a backflip for his sack celebration, and he said if he wouldn't get penalized, he would. Somebody that size should not be able to move like that. I'm just going to say that. that's It's, it's insane. So
2: go ahead. And, go ahead. And speaking about he would have been a first-round pick, I, I think it was following that play, they might have returned from commercial break or whatever, Tim Ryan said something along the same lines, that this kid would have been a first-round pick. Now check this out. He didn't even say anything about the position change and the weight fluctuation and all that stuff. He said if USC was just playing better ball, and more people were watching them, this kid would have been a first-round pick. That's saying something. That's that's saying something. So, you know, A-plus there. And look at my man, Cali boy, Dublin. Man, give the, let's go, Cali. What's up, man? I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, nah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Cali boy, again, Cali boy, 58. Super chat. Ronald Blair tore his ACL trying to change direction like that in 2019. Drake Jackson is Mr. Fantastic. Should have been a first-rounder. 100% agree, and... I think, I forgot who said it in here in the chat earlier, but once he gets his hand battles, you know, hand work better, he's going to be unstoppable because he's so, so impressive. This, I didn't see, but thank you very much, CallieBot58 for your contribution to the show. Kali, did you see Epicom and Hugh coaching Drake on the sidelines? I did not catch that because I wasn't able to watch. Did you see that, Mike?
2: No, I was So uh, So, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't watch a lot of the sideline stuff you know, coming back or going to commercial breaks and all that. Um, during preseason games, like in the moment, I'm watching the, the game. I want to see who's lining up where and what they're doing. So I, I miss that. That is one thing I miss. Uh, back in the day, though, when I used to, I, I, I would find certain feeds for the games, like different streams. And there were streams that you could find where they didn't go to commercial breaks. And if you guys have NFL Plus, go back and watch this game, right? And the first quarter or two, they did the same thing where you can see them working on the graphics that they're going to use before the commercial break. You can hear the background talking and things like that. Uh, and that's when I would watch sideline interactions and all things like that during the live game. But I didn't, I did not take note to it. Sorry.
1: No, that that's fine. I didn't get a chance to see it either. Um, Drake, ja- or excuse me, Collees is Tim Ryan compared Drake to Bruce Smith. I've seen, I heard him say that as well. Extremely, extremely impressive. Um, this is something I wanted to touch on, and then we'll start to wrap things up here. Trey Lance made it a point to get Danny Gray and Brock Purdy's touchdown, first touchdown ball. And he, I believe he said Mohamed Sanu did it for him. Did that impress you? Does that say anything about the type of person that Trey Lance is, Mike?
2: Yeah, um, I did. Uh, I, I, liked, I liked seeing that. And I saw Trey Lance run down the field, and I saw him pick up the ball. And I'm like, this isn't a regular season game, why is he doing it? But it's still it's it's a sentimental thing. You want to take that ball home with you. You wanna, you know, especially on the type of play that it was. Um I like seeing that from him. You know what I'm saying? So it was um it was an A plus, you know, effort and good team gesture from someone that you guys want to see become a leader. Right? It was something that happened to him and in the back of his mind that meant something. So again we're talking about this young man learning on the fly and on the go, this meant something to me. I want to do that for someone else. I imagine that when Trey Lance throws his first touchdown pass to another rookie or whoever, he's going to do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So did Ty Davis Price get in the end zone? But when he does, you can bet your bottom dollar Trey Lance is going to make sure he gets that ball. And that that's kind of my point there. So I, I like that a lot. Um, before we move on, I, I don't know if you're done with the uh, – the defensive line takes or not, but I have another one. That please, I please share with you guys. There was this play where Ken Law, he didn't get the sack. I don't even think it counted as a pressure, but he tipped the ball. It was a it was a pass from Jordan Love. He got his hand up, he tipped it enough to deflect it and make the ball fall incomplete. It wasn't a pick or anything like that. But he did this move where the the offensive lineman got a hand on him. And he did this nasty, like, he took his forearm and just pounded this guy's arm. Bro, I was pissed watching that happen for the other guy. Like, I was mad as a Packers, like, antagonist. I don't like the Packers, right? I was, I'm was, i like, yo, if he hit me like that again, we might have to square up. Like, that was a nasty. I mean, his arm was up over his helmet. And he did it so quickly, so instinctively, that's the kind of nasty Ken Law is going to need to bring. I saw him move an offensive lineman well, and the times that he didn't move them, like like drive them back, he did a very, very good job uh, holding his own and reading and reacting and moving the line to where it needed to go. I thought that was really, really good.
1: I didn't catch that, but I'm going to have to go back and look at it because that is extremely impressive and just speaks to his physical ability. Uh, our guy, Kali, had asked earlier about, Devon uh, Kinlaw, let me see if I can find the comment here and whether or not we are concerned with him. Here we go. Thoughts on Kinlaw first game back, but saw no flashes from him. Does that concern you at all, or is that expected?
2: No, I'm not concerned at all. And I and I, it depends on, I guess, what you call flashes, right? So that one play that I talked about, I think that is a flash. He was able to not only disengage completely, get the the linemen arms off of him he was away from where the play was going to be made but he still had the wherewithal to get those hands up that will pay dividends especially when we're talking about guys like womack and a tip pass the niners had what three interceptions in that game you know what i'm saying so it's like that's how those things happen right you don't always have to get the sack you don't always have to get the tackle for loss you do your job you secure where you are you know we saw plays where guys didn't set the edge right and it was big gains up the sideline, right? Kinlaw was not a liability when out there, and that's what you want to see from your first-round pick, someone who's going to do their job down in and down out, and then you sprinkle in the flash plays. That's what you want to see from those guys. So I liked what I saw from Kinlaw. I can't say that it was a bad game. It also wasn't a great game from him, right? But this also didn't include game planning and things like that. This was just go out here. We did a lot of man, like let's just see what you can do against your guy and go out there and do it. I like it, man. I like what I saw from him.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Jemay, I think that's how you pronounce this name. Uh, Jemay! I got you, bro. <laughs> so what do we expect from Kinlaw, though? Maybe then we won't be disappointed. And I think Big Papa said it pretty well. Kinlaw's not a sack machine. He's meant to swallow up double teams, but I still think he's going to have five and a half sacks this year. He's supposed to be that giant plug in the middle of the defensive line that is a run stuffer and maybe gets a couple of sacks a year that – from quarterbacks that get pushed up by Nick Bosa, Drake Jackson, Ebucom, et cetera, on the edges. Um, We saw it last year when he was in, the run defense was stout. When he left with an injury, it took a dip before the 49ers plugged Derek Armstead there in the middle. And they were able to kind of recoup that, that missing piece. Um, Lake City Fresh says, D'Amico Ryan said during the presser that the focus is for Kinlaw to stay on the field. The big plays will come. I agree. And I think that, he was out for so long that he does need some time to kind of get acclimated and back to NFL speed. Anything else you want to share, Kinlaw?
3: Yeah.
2: So, I think a lot of the confusion is going to be this. And you guys can say I'm I'm wrong, I'm biased, whatever. I'm absolutely okay with that, right? What sticks in the 49ers fan base's mind is that the Niners traded a defensive tackle for a first round pick and acquired Kinlaw, a defensive tackle with that pick or the next pick, I should say, because they, they moved. But when you look at what the Niners did and who they replaced, right, the two previous years before the, the trade of DeForest Buckner, he had a total of 19 and a half sacks. And so if that's in the back of your mind that the Niners moved a guy that had almost 20 sacks in two years for a guy that has, what, one pick six and one sack or something in his career then you're going to be disappointed if that's the expectation that you're looking for. But defensive tackles aren't typically sack machines. There's a reason why Aaron Donald is looked at as elite and one of the best players, not just at his position, but in the NFL. There's a reason why he is going to be a first ballot hall of famer. That's not normal for that position. Because if you take away that 12 and a half, I mean, that 12 year uh, sack year for, for um, DeForest Buckner, it was six sacks, three sacks, seven and a half, nine and a half, seven, right? Those are, even those numbers are numbers of elite defensive tackles. You understand what I'm saying? So we have, it goes back to the, the comment, you know, what are the expectations for him? And that's what we have to be real about. It's not, it's not that. It's not that. DeForest Buckner was and is a special defensive tackle, and that's why you can get a guy here and let him play in San Francisco for four or five years and still get a first-round pick for him in a trade. You know what I'm saying? Knowing he's doing a big contract. That's the other thing people don't think about. When you trade a player on a contract year, typically that devalues their trade value, and we were still able to get a first-round pick for him. DeForest Buckner is a very, very, very good elite defensive tackle. You don't find those guys down at 13, 14, and fifteen, like where we found Javon Kinlaw. Those are guys that usually go in the top ten. I don't know where DeForest Buckner was picked off the top of my head, but I believe it was very close to the top ten range. So that's what we have to, you know, keep in mind. I believe I, I don't know exactly. Looking, I can hear the clicking over there. All right, watch it be like twenty-two or some shit like that. But I think it was like you know, mid-teens. Yeah, he was he was a mid teen pick. Seventeen also. overall. Oh, 17 Okay, so it's actually pretty close to where Kinlaw was drafted, but he was. He was that good. And he was coming in here, you know, with Eric Armstead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Seven,
1: seven. Armstead was 17th.
2: Okay. All right. That makes me feel a lot better. I thought he was the top 10, but I wasn't quite sure. But that makes me feel better. That that, that furthers my point, right? If you're picking a defensive tackle that high, those are the kind of guys that are going to get you the six, seven sacks a year, plus be good run stuffers, right? You're picking someone a little bit further down. He's still very good. He's going to come in here and do his job. But what are your expectations for this guy? And I think that's what we have to keep in mind when we're looking at Javon Kinlaw. And also keep in mind, guys, there was no Bosa. There was no Eric Armstead. You know what I'm saying? There was no, like, we got to let all that play a role in this. He's going to be that much better when those guys are out there. He's the one getting the double team right now because he's looked at as the first round pick on the line right now. Think about that. Let all that play a role into it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too concerned right now
1: i agree um all right last yeah still miss dj jones camp front dj jones extremely talented um last topic i have for the show that we'll start to wrap things up here and that is the 49ers continue to show that they are invested in high character guys we talked about trey lance making it a point to go and get the first touchdown balls for Danny Gray, Brock Purdy, and Brock Purdy talked about it afterwards in the locker room. And he said like how extremely impressed he was and how much he looks up to Trey Lance. And, you know, somebody of his stature, the third overall pick, and somebody who the four-hands traded a bunch to get is going out of his way to get the game ball for the third string quarterback. Not the game ball, but the touchdown ball. You know what I mean? Um, also, I saw this, I believe it was from David Lombardi. Um, it was in the athletic article, and he was talking about Darquez Dinard and how he's been um, very, very important to Samuel Womack's development. And I'm going to read this straight from his article snippet that he shared on Twitter. He said the 49ers are actually striving to execute a plan at Nickelback this season that's not all too dissimilar from what they did at quarterback in 2021 with the rookie Lance and veteran Jimmy Garoppolo. They're focusing simultaneously on the present and the future of the position. Denard, with his wealth of pro experience, remains the favored short-term option, but he's also taken on the role of mentoring his planned replacement, Womack. Quote, Quez is a guy, he's a quiet person, but he's working with guys one-on-one, Hufanga said. He's going to pull you aside and try to help you. He's not that guy that's going to be rah-rah and talking all the time, but he definitely has been working with Womack and getting him on the same page. How impressive is this to you, Mike, where somebody is willingly trying to mentor the, the person who they know is trying to take their job and will, at one point, if all things go well, take your job?
2: This is tough for me to answer. I want to say that I'm impressed, but I also feel like it's, it's kind of your job. Um, mm-hmm. And this is, this is a very old school mentality take. Uh, you guys know that Eric Davis is a friend of the show and I've talked to Eric Davis on the side and I've heard him say it on podcasts before as well. But he would tell me, you know, the Niners were drafting my replacement every single year that I was there, you know? And um, he was like, and it's easy for a person to say, "Well, I'm not going to train that guy. I'm not going to train that dude. It's not my job. That's the coaching staff's job." He was like, "But if you want to be the best version of you, you have to give impart your knowledge, especially if you're concerned about the well-being of the team." You know, he was like, "Whether I got benched or not, and we win the Super Bowl, I get that Super Bowl ring, and at some point, I will say that I I contributed." I help make that guy that good if he's the guy that replaced me. And I, and I, I, this is exactly what I thought about, Hung Fat, right? I still, all right, this is exactly what I thought about, right? Tannehill saying it's not my job, but there's other players that have said that also. That's why I said I want to say it's impressive, but I'm not sure. I don't know how to respond to what you're asking me. It is a good mentality that everyone should have. Not everyone does it. And the reason the Tannehill thing made headlines. Is because he said he didn't have that mentality so i i don't know that it's high high character so to speak uh you got to remember one when we acquired darquez denard and two what he thinks his role is here it's not like we we he was some free agent acquisition that we paid eight nine million dollars to to come in here and be the man he was a late season addition and then he came in here And held his own and got 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 some starts in place of injured players and all that so i think he knows that his time is short-lived let me make the best impression that i can on not just the players but the coaching staff as well so that they find a value in me so i can stay here because if i get cut there's no money so let me secure this check and i'm not saying he's doing it just for monetary value so let me be very clear what i'm saying i just think that it's the mentality that people are are expected to have and when they don't have that mentality I think that's a knock uh, on them. Yeah. So, so
1: I guess let me broaden this out from just Darquez Denard, but I think Callie said it earlier with Ebicom and um, Almenohue kind of mentoring Drake Jackson as well. Um, it seems like and, and, to a certain extent, Jimmy with Trey Lance last year, from all that Trey Lance has said, Jimmy was helping him. It wasn't like he was making things awkward. And the reason I brought this up is because I wanted to speak to the culture that the 49ers have cultivated and created here in Santa Clara. And that I think that this is a perfect example of it. Guys are willing to go out of their way to help the guy underneath them, even if the, that comes at their own Deficit or, you know, yeah, detriment because, thank you, detriment, because they are understanding that that's the best for the team. And I don't think you see that in a lot of other teams where the person, the player is willing to put himself behind or second to the team. Um, especially, uh, uh, you know, with all due respect to Dakar Zenard, a fringe roster type guy who might not make the final 53, he's still willing to coach up the rookie um, behind him. Is Samuel Womack a rookie or is he a second year? He's a rookie, right? Yeah. Okay, I thought yeah, so. he was a rookie.
3: Yeah.
1: I get confused with the ones that they drafted. Um, but yeah, he's willing to go out of his way and coach up the rookie behind him, who, for all intents and purposes, the plan is for him to take his job. Um, Omeni, Hugh, and Ebicombe could be thought of as French roster guys coaching up the second round pick, Drake Jackson. I think it's just really impressive. And like I said earlier, it speaks to the culture Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have created here.
2: And, And another example of that, that no one I have not seen anyone talk about, but I do know for a fact that this has happened was Lincoln Tomlinson coaching up Aaron Banks, right? This was something that, you know, people weren't discussing at all. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone mention this now that i'm thinking about it i haven't heard anyone talking about it on podcasts. haven't seen it written anywhere on twitter or anything but uh lincoln tomlinson along with um along with trent williams took this guy in and we're coaching him up knowing that he wasn't even going to play this year but these are the things that you can work on in practice pulling him to the sideline in the locker room and having these meetings with this guy one-on-one two-on-one sometimes you know just to you know, this is what you can do. You can do this. You can do that. That's a part of it, right? And it it benefits everybody, right? Hey, listen, Lincoln, we like you. We love you, in fact. That's why we traded for you. That's why, you know, we were willing to bring you in here. We're probably not going to be able to afford you. You have played your way out of the 49ers roster, but we're going to make sure you go and get this money. We're going to bo- boost you up. You're going to be that guy. He gets his money and... He groomed his replacement. That's what you want to see. And like Hung Fat s- says down there, that's a winning culture. You know what I'm saying? Th- that That's what it is. Success breeds success. That's what it is. And so I absolutely love it. There are a lot of high-character guys on this team. Um, but before we – I don't know if you had anything else you want to say on that because I, I want to yeah. be messy for you. You let me know when Mike can be messy because I, 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 I want to be messy real quick. I want to be petty. And I know everyone thinks I hate George Kittle, but this is going to be another George Kittle question, right? I put on the replay of the game. I told you guys I've watched this game like three times already. Soon as you started, you hear Papa talking about George Kittle said he's so excited for preseason football. And immediately I got mad. So let me ask this question to you before I tell you why I got mad. Do you think we see George Kittle at all this preseason? Probably not. So why the fuck is he excited for preseason
1: football? Maybe because it means regular football is almost here.
2: Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they just said that trying to boost him up. But a guy in plain clothes telling me that he's excited for the upcoming scrimmage? Yeah. Shut up. I don't know if he said that. So let me be very clear. (laughs) I know that sounds terrible. I know that sounds terrible. Let me be very clear here. But like, I don't want to hear Trent Williams saying that he's excited for preseason football. You're not participating. As far as I'm concerned, this is just opportunity. All right. It's opportunity for guys to make a name for themselves, but you're not making a name for yourself. You're not doing anything out there. These are guys exposed to injury. I like Aaron Rodgers take on preseason football. I think it's pointless. I think it's stupid. It's just ways for guys to get injured. I personally like veterans with that take on preseason football. Don't tell me you're happy to see other guys go out there. and They're not doing any, like you're, you're not doing anything. You might be coaching up on the sideline. I'll give you that. We talked about high character guys and I do believe that is what George Kittle does. So let me not take that away from him, but you're excited about preseason football. Why? For what? I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I mean,
1: a lot of the comments in the chat are saying maybe he wants to see his, his his young guys ball out. Maybe he wants to be excited for his teammates. Maybe he wants to get a chance to see his boy Robert Tunyon of the Green Bay Packers because you know they're boys. Maybe he's just excited to see his friends on other teams that he hasn't seen in a while. It is a good, it is a good point, though. You're not playing. And we don't know if he actually said it, basically. Um, all right. I'll take a couple questions from the chat, and then we'll wrap things up. I know Mike's got to get out of here and I got to get out of here as well.
2: Um, We're good, baby. We're good. Joel, I see one there. Yeah, there it is. Quick quick question. question. What do you worry about most this year for the 49ers? Uh, So after watching this game, I'm not worried about left guard anymore. I'm not worried about right guard. Uh, It might be Mike McGlinchey. We didn't discuss this at all, but there was a flare-up in the knee or some swelling or something like that, you know, I am very worried about the right tackle position. I can't say definitively, I can't say confidently that I saw a right tackle that made me feel good in this game. And unfortunately, that includes Mike McGlinchey. Now, it also goes back to expectations. I wasn't disappointed in McGlinchey's performance in this game, but I also wasn't expecting much from someone who had been off for so long with such a devastating leg injury, right? There was questions about Mike McGlinchey returning at all. So my expectations for him weren't high. To see him go out there, to see him play, but then I'm hearing the 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 the, the flare-up issues and he might not practice this week against Green Bay or they're going to hold him back. I mean, not Green Bay, against Minnesota. They're going to hold him back a little bit, things like that. Um, I am a little concerned, to be completely honest with you, about the right tackle position. That's probably the biggest concern I have on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and as far as... Um, as far as on the defensive side of the ball, I am worried about the strong safety position. I know a lot of people are very high on Hufunga and all that, and I want to be right there with you guys. Um, I was a person, I said it plenty of times, I think Moore is probably a better overall player than Hufunga, but even Moore didn't look good out there. I'm a little worried about the strong safety position. Um, the defensive line, I'm not worried about. I love what I saw from Kamoko Ture. We didn't discuss him tonight. Um or today, I'm sorry for you West Coast guys. Uh, <laughs> we didn't discuss him at all. The linebackers, I'm very, very confident in. Uh, I really like Demetrius Flanagan Faust He was all over the place out there. Um, but it's, it's more about those two positions for me, the strong safety and the right tackle. If Mike McGlinchey has, excuse me, any kind of setback, I'll be worried about that. Um, and just the, the, the safety position. Now, I know that they're saying they're making them interchangeable. Uh, we did see Dante Johnson moving around a lot. Dante Johnson's injury. Um, I, I I said it on a show, I believe with you, I believe it was our Patreon, and if Dante Johnson makes this... Uh... <laughs> All right, Callie. If Dante Johnson makes this team, does that signify we're in trouble at a certain position? You know, that was a concern of mine. Um, they had him playing nickel they had him playing safety in 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 the game i just i don't know what to expect from the safety position this year and that it that can be i'm not going to say it is but that can be a very big concern with that being said specifically about the strong safety position if there was one position you had to choose for it to be a weakness on your defense just one position zach what position would it be
1: Uh, and we've talked about this as well but it's tough to not say tight end
2: honestly it, it really no, no, is no, no, I'm sorry. On, on the defense oh on the defense one, If there was one position that you probably had to probably to corner
1: No 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 safety it would be safety because corner i mean it's just top heavy you like to have a good amount of corners that you don't mind throwing in there worst case scenario somebody gets hurt I'm, I'm not that confident yet outside of Charvarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley. The younger guys are really unproven. Ambry Thomas, um, DeAndre Lenore, uh, Kadar, Holman. I mean, we saw a lot of these younger guys last night, and they looked okay, uh, uh, Sammy Womack, but they're unproven. But I think I still got to lean to safety because outside of Jimmy Ward, there are a bunch of question marks. So I agree with you there.
2: Okay. And then – um, damn, I had some and it just, like it just, boom, went right out of my head. All right, I see some other questions there, so I'll, I'll shut up. There was something I was just doing to say. You said uh, safety corner. Oh! I'm going to drop something here that I don't know. I was saving it for enough nothing but show, but I won't even say it. On, I'll say it on your platform. So this is going to be not breaking news or anything like that. But from what I've heard, Jason Verrett is actually ahead of schedule. Take it for oh. what you will. Take it for what you will. Okay. Not going to elaborate more. Um, and don't you, I know this is the 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 question viewer question section. Don't say who your source is. Never ever going to get that out of me. But from what I'm hearing, Jason Barrett is ahead of schedule.
3: I'm
1: going to tweet out right now. Breaking per Mike Andrews, 83. Jason Barrett will start week one over Charverius Ward. <laughs>
2: <laughs> talk about conclusion jumping I didn't say that part I just said that he's ahead of schedule I didn't say that I didn't say that he's going to be ready week one or that he's even going to be starting but uh, yeah no he's he's definitely ahead of schedule all right I love it uh, we'll take a couple more Steve
1: overreaction after one preseason game which running backs are making the roster this is tough um, I can pull up the depth chart here that way you can have it to reference
2: that's nah, cool um, so we're, I'm assuming we're going to keep four and a and a and a fullback is that is that is that i would think so all right so my four are going to be elijah mitchell i'm going to go with ty davis price i'm going to go with jordan mason and i'm going to go with all right i want to say jeff wilson jr but think he could be moved I think Jeff Wilson could be a potential trade guy Have so you said Trey Sermon I did not say Trey Sermon yet so I'm gonna say Trey Sermon is my fourth guy but that leaves out Jeff Wilson Jr but I want to make it clear why I'm leaving him out wait because I think he could be traded
1: okay does that make so, sense to you so Jeff yeah. Wilson and Michael don't make it
2: nope and I know Kyle. Everyone says that Michael Hasty is a Kyle Shanahan guy. Uh, Who was the person on kickoff in the first half that touched the ball when it was going out of bounds? He would have got the ball at the foot. Was that Hasty? It was Hasty. Pissed me off, man. He's gone. He's gone. Cut him. Gone. I don't care. I don't care that you're a third down guy. I don't give a shit. And I saw Ty Davis Price let the ball bounce off of his face. He didn't catch the pass that Hasty would have definitely caught. I don't care. You have been in the NFL far too long. Know what you're doing. Yeah, the, to not know what you're doing, and then I even heard, God, I, I love Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan tried to shoot him a little bit of bail, saying uh, he was supposed to put his foot out of bounds first, and then and then touch the ball. No, get the fuck away from. Yeah. It, uh, what, what's the what's the word they say when there's a punt and they want you to get away from it? It's like it's not bomb. Oh, gosh, they, they shout they shout something to yeah. let people know to get away. He that's what should have been in his mind. I did not like that. I didn't like that at all. Nope, not buying it. Hasty. You are, have been in the NFL on this team for far too long to make that kind of mistake. Yep, yeah. I agree. Um,
1: my four would be Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, TDP and JWJ, Jeff Wilson, Jr. I, I don't think hasty. And I don't think Mason, I would be okay. If they kept Mason instead of Jeff Wilson, For some reason, I think Shanahan just loves Jeff Wilson. I think he loves his ability. I think he loves his experience. And I think that he loves he can basically plug him in play. And he understands that, worst case scenario, he could start Jeff Wilson. And he's comfortable with Jeff Wilson getting the bulk Sheriff carries. I don't think the same could be said for Jermichael Hasty, and not yet for uh, Jordan Mason, who's largely unproven. I think he's going to ride Jordan Mason out for the rest of the preseason along with Jermichael Hasty, and then they'll likely get cut. Hasty could be traded. I don't think that that there's much trade value for him right now.
2: And to piggyback off of what you said about Jeff Wilson Jr., one, he's the best pass catcher as far as a running back on this team. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but he played wide receiver in college. So he has really, really good hands. And he epitomizes the 49ers run style, commit and explode. Whether you're right or wrong, that's what Kyle Shanahan has said over and over that he wants to happen. So, yes, that is a guy that, you know, Kyle Shanahan loves. So, I'm not mad at that at all. And, again, the only reason I didn't have him making it was because of the trade potential. So, yeah.
1: All right. uh, Last question we're going to take from Caliboy58. Do y'all anticipate any surprise cuts? If so, who?
2: This is a tricky question because a surprise cut is someone that you would expect to make the team. It's not like I I can't sit here and tell you guys, you know, Mac, the wide receiver is going to get cut. I said that already. Right. I think he's going to be one of the first names we see. Um, I'm going to go with one. I can go with one while you think. Yeah, please, please.
1: Kimoko Tore. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's a very, very deep line. I don't remember what they signed him for. Um, he was playing, if I remember correctly, pretty deep into the game last night. I could be wrong because, um, again, I listened to the second half and watched what I could on the phone, but he could be the odd man out. I don't know. Maybe they like Ebicom and his ability. Maybe they like Amenahue and what he brings. And maybe Kimoko Ture I mean, on the depth chart, which is completely unofficial and the first one, obviously, but he's buried behind Ebicom, Jackson, Terry Hyder, and then Kimoko Ture is listed under left defensive end. So, I don't know, maybe Kimoko Toré is the odd man out.
2: I have an answer for you, but I have to look up the dead money first. Which is a
1: good good point. I should have done that with Toré first. No, no,
2: no, no, no. He's not. He's not uh, he's dead not
1: cap's a million. So he was signed for one year, $1. $1.6 million with a dead cap of $1 million.
2: I got one for you. It's someone whose name you actually mentioned. Samson Mebukam. I, I can see, see it. I definitely think he could be a guy. He's uh he he said something this off-season at, at the podium about basically learning a new position, doing something different. That's what all of last season was for. Uh so I'm going to I'm going to say Sam from Evukim. I think a lot of people have him penciled in as making this. Yeah. So exactly. More. Let's go. It's my girl right there. Oh. Ah. Right, and that's the other thing too, right? His base salary this year, he's he's up there at uh at five point nine. To cut him, it's only going to cost us one point seven five. And the production's not there. We can say what we want about this guy. The production's not there. And I'd rather have a guy like Teray over him. Sorry, not sorry. Like I I just it's 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 not there. I'm gonna say so so also. Well done, Mariah, man. Look at that. See her name starts with an M. My name starts with an M. We're kindred spirits here. All right. With that all said, now
1: we got to do the business part of the show and shout out to our sponsors. Uh, First, I want to say shout out to sports illustrated. As you guys see behind me to my left, I have this lovely copy of the sports illustrated San Francisco 49ers at 75 celebrating the history of 49ers football hardcover, as you can see. And if you click the link in the description, you will save 30% off. With our code, click the link in the bio and you will save that. Like I said, it's got the complete 75 year history of the 49ers. And it's a really good, really good book. And if you want to keep it either on your coffee table, have it up in your background for shows like I have mine, grab it now. Um, It's a limited edition for us to have, be able to give you guys a discount on it only for a couple more weeks. Click the link in the description. Save 30% on the San Francisco 49ers at 75. Um, And then next, you know, we got to shout out our guy at Terrell Owens, 81 Vino. Terrell Owens, football great, is now in the wine business Go to 81vino.com and enter code HIVE. You'll get 10% off two or more bottles. Free ship. or excuse me, 10% off your entire purchase. Free shipping on two or more bottles. Support the 49ers a legend as he ventures into the wine business. Go 81vino.com, code HIVE. And lastly but not least, Acre Gold. It's only right that Acre Gold sponsors the Ren and Gold Standard Podcast. With inflation being ridiculously high right now, guys put your money in something that retains its value like gold if Matt was here he would call it our gold stamp because it's rather small it's two and a half grams it's, it's a gold bar I still call it a gold bar because I got plenty of them and once you reach the market price of two and a half grams acre gold will discreetly send you your gold bar click the link in the description as well for your gold purchases to start accumulating today
2: alright we have one more question what's up I wanted to say something really quick So I went back to check to see if you guys reached the 100 likes or not, right? And when we were on about, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes ago, I saw 65 live viewers, right? I just want to say that you guys have 61 likes. Every single person liked it that was watching. I think that's incredible. Now, that does not qualify for the giveaway that Zach was talking about. But I do want to say something. Can I do a giveaway on your channel? Please feel free. More likes than viewers is a hell of an accomplishment. I've been doing this for a long time. I have never done it. Never done it. I've never come close to that ratio. 65. I don't know what the high. What was the high? Maybe you know better than I do. The highest amount of likes we've ever had? No, no, no. Highest amount of live viewers today. Oh, it was uh, about 80. Oh, we got up to 80. Oh, now I feel bad. Never mind. Maybe I should take it back. Oh, well, that was the high. We averaged about 60. Right. Well, okay. So what I was gonna say was if you average 60 and you got 61 likes, everyone in the chat did their part. So this is what I want to do. I will purchase that 75 year or 75 book, and we will do a giveaway based. All right, so this is all you guys have to do. Well, Zach, you figure out how we're going to determine who gets it. I will make that purchase, and I will have it shipped directly to whoever Zach and Matt later decide or whatever, because we put that challenge out there for them, and I'm going to be honest with you. As early as we put that challenge out, I have to say that I think everyone in the chat hit that like button. People can only do what we ask them to do. You know what I'm saying? That's a phenomenal feat, man. If you average 60 viewers and you got 61 likes, You're over 100% for the likes as far as I'm concerned. I really, really like that stat. So we're still going to do a giveaway here. Um, I say you figure out how to make it happen, and we'll do that.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. I'm sure all of our viewers appreciate that as well. Um, We got to figure out a way, but like, hit subscribe, and the next show, we'll do this giveaway. We'll figure out all the details. Shout out to Mike again. Yeah, Mike for MVP. Mike is the man. The chat's loving it. Follow us on Twitter. My my handle you can't see because it's behind me in a suit, but it is at Zach Hernan. Uh, Mike's is on the on the screen as well. There we go. And RGS, How'd how'd you do
2: that? How'd you shift it? What'd you do? I just put two X's in front of it. I edit my avatar name. Oh, you're a smart guy. I'm too dumb to know that kind of shit. That's dope. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I reference i was because i was gonna say earlier in the show your whole thing was there i don't know how you did it man see oh I'm if looking. i hit like it gets pushed out. mute sorry not like oh, okay all right i see okay all right i got you now okay now i know now i know all right all right thank you everybody for tuning in with us uh we went a little longer than there was one more i want you to get to Oh, yes, sir. One more And we'll go. I thought this was a very important question by uh, Joel, I believe his name was. Um, look at me clicking it like I can do it. There it is. This is a really good question, and I do think we should address this, and I know we're pressed for time, uh, myself included. How can you guys feel confident about the center and left guard? So, Joel, I'm not sure if you were in here earlier. Uh, maybe not, because I specifically addressed the left guard position in Aaron Banks. Um, Aaron Banks did a phenomenal job in there. Joel, again, with the nice comment here. Thank you very much. Aaron Banks did a phenomenal job. Um, he spent this entire offseason not just revamping and improving his body, but mechanics, uh, working on a lot of different things. He's worked very, very closely with people. Uh, I talked about him working with Trent Williams and Lincoln Tomlinson. Um, this kid put in a lot of work. and the, And if you go back and watch this game, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a single play that you didn't like from this guy. So much so, and I'm not the biggest PFF person in the world, but I will tell you this, PFF had him as rated as one of the highest players, not just offensive linemen, not just offensive players, but one of the highest players of the entire NFL throughout this week so far. That says something. Aaron Banks looks to be the real deal. There's a reason the Niners drafted him. There's a reason the Niners drafted him in the second round. There's a reason they let him sit back, grow into his body, tell him what they want him to work on. And it has to, I think it has a lot to do with work ethic. You know, one of the main reasons they drafted Trey Lance over other guys was this guy looks like he has the work ethic and the hunger to be great. Uh, Trey Lance, same can be said now, I think in my opinion, based off of one game, just one game, based off of what I saw against the Packers, Aaron Banks looked like he's going to be that guy. And then as far as the center position, I think the Niners are doing some shady stuff. We didn't discuss about it. We didn't discuss it at all. But you heard about Brunskill all of a sudden being unavailable for the next couple of weeks. I think that throws up the sign, the signal. Jake Brindell is going to be the guy. Brindell has been working with Trey Lance since Trey Lance was drafted. Let me emphasize this again. Jake Brindell has the best rapport of any center with Trey Lance since he got here to this team. He was, uh, he was the backup center last year. He worked with Trey Lance for all the snaps that Trey Lance got, except for when Trey Lance was the starter in those weeks. Other than that, it was him and Brindell. That gives me a ton of confidence. I love seeing that from this team. I love seeing them throw that sign up there saying that, you know, that we don't need to see any more Brunskill at center. That experiment, in my opinion, is over. So – That's what I like. I love the left guard position and I'm more confident knowing that Jake Brindell and Trey Lance have a rapport already. That's where I feel. Zach, what are your thoughts on the question that we had there?
1: I mean, I feel like you covered a lot of it, so I really do appreciate that answer, but it's unproven and don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying these two positions, the offensive line are the least of my worries, but I think we've seen slightly enough to where we can be a little more comfortable going into the year because – my whole point this offseason has always been the 49ers neglected their offensive line, and they're asking a essentially an essentially rookie quarterback to come in and play well at a high level when they're putting, you know, no disrespect, but crap in front of them. But I think they actually had a plan and they saw it through, and it looks to be working out. It looks to be working out. We'll hold our final opinion until we get a few regular season games against starters, but from what we've seen right now, I think they'll be okay. I think Trey Lance will be okay. He's mobile. He's able to step up if needed be, if need be, and I think the offensive linemen that are there currently should be able to hold for long enough for him to get the ball out.
2: And just to piggyback off of what you just said about Lance, I talked about how he, get, he that ability to lower that shoulder when someone from the edge is coming. If he can feel that that pocket presence is that high from the edge, supposedly his blind side and things like that. Imagine if by chance there's pressure coming up the middle because our center is not up to par. He's definitely going to be able to see that. I have all the confidence in the world. When you, when you can nullify a weakness with the strength of another player, you're back at neutral. That's going to bode well for the 49ers going forward. I'm very confident right now, so I like it. All
1: right, guys. With that all said... Thank you very much, Mike. It's always a blast having you on. Shout out to Matt. You're out there saving lives, working in the medical field. Unfortunately, you couldn't be here with us, but we got your thoughts out. So we we thank you for that, Uh, Mike. I'm sure everybody here follows you. Let the folks know where to find you in case they're somehow hearing about you for the first time.
2: All right. If you guys don't already, my Twitter handle is right there. I don't encourage people to follow me on Twitter because I don't do a lot of tweeting. Uh, but it's there, Mike Andrews, 83. Uh, but I do encourage you guys to follow our channel, Nothing But Niners. It's nothing but nine, the number nine, E R S on Twitter. So give us a follow over there, and then of course go and follow the YouTube page. It's Nothing But Niners. You can do hashtag NB Niners on Twitter on YouTube. You'll find us over there, NB Niners, Nothing But Niners. However you choose to type it, it will show up. I can guarantee you guys that. So thank you all very very much for the support. We really appreciate it.
1: Do I touch on this comment here or should we? So we will actually be Matt and I will be on nothing but Niners on Tuesday. So tune in then it's going to be a blast. I'm so excited. First time.
2: All right. Uh, So Mariah, if you want to call or, or text or DM, whatever it is that you want to do. It's fine. I'm getting my hair done, for my and it's a three-hour thing. So there is no such thing as after my appointment. Not tonight. So hit me up whenever you feel like it. I can take calls on speakerphone. Uh, I can I can text. I'm just sitting sitting in the chair getting my hair pulled. So I'll I'll be good as soon as the show is over. Anytime after that. And like Steve said, there's still time to hit that
1: like button, guys. Even if you're watching this after, it really does help channel hit like hit subscribe comment afterwards we appreciate it. it helps more than you know and and the main thing too is copying the link and sharing it to a different social media platform youtube sees that shit like gold so copy this link to the video share it to twitter share it to facebook wherever uh, other social media we really do appreciate it also guys We got a new outro video. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. I made it. I think you guys will like it. So with all that said, go Niners. Give us a follow and check out the outro video. Comment your thoughts after.